Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Oh man, I'm all over the place. I, I, I spent the last few seconds of driving along here frantically trying to find my recorder. Did it fall on the floorboard? Is it in the seat? Where did it go? It's not in the cup holder? It's not in the glove box or the, you know, the console here in the middle. Where is it? Oh, it's in my lap. I just had to turn this on. Uh, just wrapped up work, and man, I'm just, I'm just soaked. I'm just, I am just dripping with the living water reality. And I want to just be like, I want to be unashamedly bold to talk about what the Spirit is saying. Unapologetically exuberant. Because you know what? What else in this whole life is really worthy of our excitement and shout? I mean, really. I've been in gatherings of people who have dogged sporting events and concerts and how people yell for world-famous athletes scream when somebody makes a touchdown, cry when a band comes onto a stage with lights and smoke. But you know what? When it comes to praising God, are we any different as far as our problem? Praise the Lord. Bless God. God's good all the time, brother. Amen. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right? I cannot get away from the exuberant response to the work of God in my life. I can't. I can't hide it anymore. I can't hold it back. I can't tame it down because it might offend you. You might think I'm prideful. You might think that I'm full of myself. You might think I'm trying to make you look bad. Well, you know what? It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about God getting the glory He deserves from this body. That He has redeemed. That He has purchased. That He has transformed and changed. You may want to turn down your headphones if you're sitting at your cubicle today. Y'all, I can't bear it anymore. I can't be quiet. I can't be okay with the passivity anymore. I can't be so afraid I'm going to hurt your feelings. Some people listening to this say, man, this has been you tame, Joel. This has been you restrained. Oh, good Lord. What do we do with the call of God on our lives? Do we even know what it is? Are we denying ourselves, getting away, turning off our own flesh cravings, and the noise and the mess of life and the decisions therein to hear what the Spirit alone is saying? Not my own reasoning. Not what's going to happen to me tomorrow. Not anything about 
the, the ongoings of my life and all the complexities that there is, which are innumerable, and say, God, I'm turning it all off, and I'm turning it all over to you. It is yours. I believe that in your presence is fullness of joy. I believe that in your presence is answers and responses and sense making in all of my circumstance. I will find peace that passes my understanding. So why in the world do we spend so much time trying to understand every circumstance that we're in? Relational, familial, life as a whole. Why do we get so enamored with our own understanding? And then say and sing, we lean not on our own understanding. Right? We don't lean on it. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We have to start singing that as it is. God, help me. I'm leaning on my own understanding. I'm leaning on my own understanding. God, help me. I'm telling you, it's time to move. It's time to move, friends. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting on myself. I'm tired of waiting on myself. My timidity, my fears, my questions, my constant questions. What are you saying, God? What are you saying? God, I need to know what you're saying. We've got to examine what in the world that even means. What are we asking for? And what in that are we just missing is already being shown. The more of God. Not the more in the acquisition of God. Not the more in the glory shower falling from heaven. Oh, fill me, fill me, God. Gulp, gulp walking in what already is. Stephen, he was full of everything good. Full, full, full. Jesus, so full the devil didn't even have a place in him. Full. Brothers, we're not full. We're not full of the Spirit. We're not full of the Spirit. We're full of our own understanding. We're full of our own contemplations and wonderings and our disagreements. We're full. But are we rightly full? Are we spiritually full of things of the Spirit? So that when the stoning comes, when the persecution comes, we are as Stephen. We say, oh, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, God. They're ignorant. Love them. Receive them. Pardon them. They don't see you, but I lift my eyes, and I see one standing up to receive me. It wasn't about him, and it wasn't about them. It was about the one 
standing up to receive Stephen unto himself. The thief on the cross. The receiving into the paradise reality. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about his circumstance. It was about the Messiah. Are we full? Are we full? Are we full? I would say far too often I'm not full of the Spirit. And as I recorded just this morning, that was mere hours ago, talking about mere days away from my baptism now and like all the things that are before me about the more that is for me in the abandoning to a level I've never done before, that I've never attained. I have, over the last several days, began to reference it as a threshold. And I don't mean that in some flashy chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, thresholds of a spiritual man. I'm not talking about something cheesy now. I'm talking about a literal shift in my life and entering into something I've not yet known in fullness. Y'all, I'm about to die. I'm about to die to something. And in a message while I was working today, about baptism, this five-part series about the baptisms of the Scripture. The cleansing realities, the need for cleansing. Our modern-day Western culture thinks you get dunked or sprinkled one time and off you go. You're free and clear. If you do it really good, your book's in the membership page in a bulletin. And we've missed, we have missed the mystical, supernatural reality of the exchange that takes place, the death, the joining into the death of the Messiah. And so in one of the messages I was listening to today, He was talking about the Ethiopian eunuch. We all know the story. Man, I hate how I say that every time. We all know the story. That's the problem. Oh, yep, know that. Yeah, I know. Next. If we're not careful, we'll all do that. We'll all be guilty of doing that. Oh, yeah, woman at the well. Yep, that was this morning. Got it. Yeah, I know, I know. And we become numb to the truth, the ongoing unveiling revelational truth within the Word. So in Acts chapter 8, Philip is told by the angel of the Lord to go from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay, like just stop there. When was the last time the angel of the Lord gave you instructions to where you should geographically travel to? This is New Testament, by the way. Oh, well, that's Old Testament. That's when God 
uh, spoke to men and told men to go unto the land of Egypt. No. Acts chapter 8. Philip. New Testament church. Get up. Go to Gaza. And not just go to Gaza, but go towards the south to the road that goes down there from Jerusalem to Gaza. Because it wasn't about where he was going, it was about what would happen to him on the way there. So what did he do? Oh man, gosh, the desert? It's too hot. It's too far. I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I have plans today. Nope. Philip, he got up and went. Okay. Okay, angel of the Lord. I'm on it. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch riding along in a chariot. Now that had to be captivating, I would think. We don't know how long Philip was on the road. We don't know if it was immediately or I don't think we're really told a timeline. He may have waited for days. Would you and I wait for days? I wouldn't. Hey, I'm a Gaza. What's up, angel of the Lord? Whatever the case, an Ethiopian eunuch, a very um, eye-catching sight, I would assume, An Ethiopian eunuch riding along in a chariot in the middle of the desert, reading a book. Now, I'm no scholar, and I confess that often. I'm no Bible scholar. I do like studying and learning. I do, but I'll never be some masterful teacher. But I remember months, maybe years ago, I heard a message that is very possibly true. I looked into some ancient writing type stuff, history of manuscripts, and This was a very expensive writing, the book of Isaiah. Thousands of dollars, I believe, in modern-day money was a copy of the ancient text. So in this very unique circumstance, Philip somehow intersects this Ethiopian eunuch cruising along in a chariot in the desert reading a scroll with the prophet Isaiah's texts upon it. What? Oh, hey, excuse me, can we talk? (laughs) And the Spirit said to Philip, talk to that man. Go to the chariot. Now, I would think because of the uniqueness, we can give Philip, we don't want to give him too many accolades, but I think even in that circumstance, I'd probably be like, okay, this is an obvious glowing light in the dark about, okay, yeah, that's why I'm here. (laughs) There's a eunuch in a chariot in the desert reading the book of Isaiah. Okay, got it, God. So Philip ran over to him and he hears this man reading the ancient text of the prophet Isaiah. And Philip says something that would probably offend you and me in our arrogant Western mindset. Hey, hey, uh, sir, do you even understand what you're reading? 
Whoa, that's a that's a pretty bold greeting, wouldn't you say, to a, a stranger in a chariot in the desert? Hey, hey, you. Do you even understand that text you're reading there? But what did he say? The Ethiopian eunuch basically said, No way! How in the world can anybody understand this unless somebody explains it to me? May we make a little note of the humility of that man. How can anyone understand this stuff? Paraphrased. Somebody's got to help me. Somebody's got to translate this, teach me, explain this to me because, man, I'm reading it, but I'm getting nowhere. And then he invites Philip up to sit with him. And they start reading about Isaiah's prophecy of the Messiah coming as a lamb. And so the eunuch, in humble honesty, basically says, I don't get it. Who is this man? Is it the author of the text? Is it the prophet Isaiah? Is he writing about himself? Or is this someone else? So Philip opened his mouth and began to unravel the story of Jesus. The good news. Philip began to explain the prophecy written thousands of years before by the prophet Isaiah. Y'all, can we just imagine for one second this awesome, incredible, intricately, supernaturally fabricated moment in time? Oh my gosh. And again, do we walk in such a level of God moving in a man as that circumstance? Angel of the Lord said, get on this road, go. Yes, Lord, I'm going. Spirit of the Lord says, hey, that's him. Talk to him. Yes. Yes, Lord, okay. Do our natural lives so intersect and are they so interwoven with spiritual reality that there is no division? And as they were going along the road, and obviously Philip had gotten to the point in the scriptures of talking about baptism. Probably told him about John the Baptist, probably told him about Jesus being baptized and how the disciples were going about through all the country countryside baptizing people into the name of Yeshua. This Messiah, sheep being led to the slaughter, this man, God-man. And the eunuch got it, y'all. He got it. Because as they're going along the road, they come up on some water. And the eunuch says, hey, there's water right there. 
what in the world prevents me from being baptized? And he commands the chariot to stop. And Philip and the eunuch go down to the water and he's baptized. And they come up out of the water and the Spirit of the Lord took Philip out of there. Boosh! Gone. Oh my gosh, y'all. This is the God of the Scriptures. This is the level of encounter with God that we must walk in. Again, this is the book of Acts. This is not Exodus. This is not Moses. This is the same era and age of church that you live in, my friend. Where is it? And I got hung up on this part of the verse, this part of the text. As the eunuch is hearing the unfolding of the coming of the Messiah. And those prophecies of Isaiah, that ancient text, made it all the way through time and hit him right in his heart. He felt the urgency to respond. The urgency to respond. Philip, brother, there's water. There's water right there. Stop the chariot. And I don't know how your version depicts it, what it says. My version says, what is preventing me? What prevents me from getting in the water? And metaphorically, friend, and maybe literally, I want to ask that question. What's preventing you from getting in the water? What's holding you back? What's preventing you from getting in the water? Something in the spirit of that Ethiopian eunuch received the truth within the prophesied Messiah that he was then informed by Philip had come. He believed. He believed to the point where he said, stop everything. We're getting out. There's water. We're getting in. That will be mine today. What is holding me back is what he said. Why would I not get in the water today? I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. What a beautiful picture. Right after I talked about this morning, just this morning, the woman at the well. She left her pot of water at the well after encountering Jesus, after encountering Him, the Messiah, the living water. 
she left her vessel of the flesh of the natural and ran. It was unnecessary. There was an urgency. There was a response. She went shouting into the city, y'all. This man knows everything about me. Have you heard of him? Do you know of this man? This living water man? The story goes with the Ethiopian eunuch. There's a lot of persecution that comes to the church through that area right after this. But from what little I do understand that I've read in years past is there was a great revival that came through that land, likely all the way connected back to this man's conversion. Who knows what he had to endure on his return? We're not told that I know of. But there was a revelation. There was a revealing of of truth, ancient prophesied truth that he possessed in his literal hands that because the Spirit of the Lord, an angel of the Lord, spoke to a man, sent him to a random journey along a desert road and intersected him with another man, a supernatural encounter took place. In the response of the eunuch, again, he sees the water. He says, what in the world is prohibiting me from getting in there and attaining, ascertaining what you have just spoken? Immerse me. I will be immersed in this truth that has just been revealed. I'm going in. And y'all, I'm not being prideful. And if, if I am, then Lord, correct me, like, for real. But I don't know who wants to do this. including myself, including me. The cost is not just great. The cost is me and my identity in its entirety. All of me, dead, immersed, buried with Jesus, joining into his death. My entire life must go in. It's a great call, friend. Oh my gosh, it's not casual. It's not chit-chatty. It's not, hey, you know Jesus? Yep. Oh, me too. Amen. Vomit. Y'all, this is what the scripture talks about. Tears, groaning, lamenting, suffering, endurance. This is not a brand of Christianity. This is Christianity. This isn't some type 
Well, I'm more of an easygoing guy, Joel, so like, hey, calm down, brother. I'm not presenting some option or flavor. I don't see any other way. I just don't. More so now than I ever have. And I've walked in different phases of my life with very heavy conviction of the Spirit to walk in boldness and confidence that I have stuck my foot in and pulled it back out of throughout my life. But again, man, for me, it's time to go through another threshold. I'm going in. And I'm going to close with this. I just had an opportunity that I've been praying for that really tested my faith. Tested it big time. Really caused me to do some introspection about whether or not I believe what I say, even here. Or to my wife. Or to my brothers here. The Lord putting it back on me. All right, Joel. Here you go, brother. Here you go, son. What will you do? You have free will. What will you do? And this goes back to what I shared about that conviction of the Holy Spirit. I think I recorded it. I don't know if I shared it with somebody or not, but sometime in the last two weeks, it's come out of my mouth, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that precedes an act, precedes an event. That the mature man uses the conviction of the Holy Spirit to guide the event that is yet to come rather than walk in the Spirit's correction via conviction after being deemed disobedient, a.k.a. missing an opportunity. I had an opportunity to approach a man that's in a very intimidating position in life That really, I'm trying to think of a word, it intimidated me. The, the situation that I felt like the Lord was putting before me intimidated me. But I've been doing my best to put it before the Lord and, and, and bolster my faith. Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing. I have faith to believe that your power, your spirit in me can win out. I yield. I yield, I give you myself, I will do what you ask me to do. I will go, I will speak, I will do what you ask of me. If you keep bringing this to the surface, I will look at it. I will give myself to it. Yes, Lord, I will be obedient. I will be an obedient son. Yes, I will. Well, the moment came today. Caught me off guard. There was a million and one things going on this morning. I was laboring to even accomplish natural work, physical work. I was like, I'm telling y'all, I'm just, there's a lot. But the, uh, the, the event, the, the possibly foreseen circumstance was boom, right in my face. And I felt that flesh man resistance. No, 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 uh-uh, no. No way. I can't do that. I can't. But I never said I won't. I said, oh God, my flesh is boom on me saying I, I can't do it. I can't. But God, I can't. That's the advice I gave my wife this morning on a matter. In myself, I can't do it. Recognition of, the, of reality. In myself, I cannot and will not do this. So Lord, I yield. 
I follow the pattern of the firstborn of many brethren, and I yield, and I say, in you, I can. In your power, with your presence, with the unction and, and literal dunamis power of your Holy Spirit, I will do this. I'm going to do it. And so I deliberately pulled up to a building, and I had to run in and do something, and I was going to leave. And, and I felt the Lord say, turn off your truck, Joel. If you're going to do it, turn off your truck. So I did. And I went in. And I just felt something greater than myself in that yielded place overpower me. Not in a sense of making me do the Lord's will, but embolden me, strengthen me, fill me to full. A confidence not my own. The confidence of an identity hidden in one that has gone before me. And I walk through the beginning of a threshold today in obedience. And only because of the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit in me through Jesus Christ the Messiah who I'm straining and striving to live as could I have ever done it. And I walked out of that building just saying, God, I'm going through. I'm going through. And what resonated in my spirit, and that's why I turned this on to record it, was that question of the Ethiopian eunuch. What is keeping me from getting in that water? And in that moment, I made that connection, and I said, Lord, I'm getting in. Metaphorically and in real life, I'm getting in. I'm getting in, God. I'm getting in there. What in the world is prohibiting me, myself? Me. And I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. What's prohibiting us from the now moment of God that's before us? Friend, don't be, don't be riding along in a chariot looking at something you're supposed to stop those horses and get out and get into. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God is merciful. He is gracious. He is full of patience. Oh my gosh, I have walked by more instances and occasions that I should have done something and did not than I will ever be able to recall. But I have a resolve today that although I will fall, I'm not ignorant. You know, you hear those people, man, I can hear it in my ear right now. Well, be careful. Oh boy, the devil's coming now. Don't, won't you be careful what you say? You know what's going to happen now. Brother, I'm already in it. I'm in it. The testing, the trial, the suffering, it's already here. It's here. I'm going to endure. I'm going to endure in His strength and not my own. So may we be a people who ask that question. What is keeping me? 
What's holding me back? And if it's not the Lord, if it's anything else but God himself, then it's got to go. It's got to. So may it be so. May it be so for us. Man, it's time to go. It's so time to go. I know it's always been time to go, but brethren, right now it's time to go. Amen.